0: Good morning, welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today, and want to welcome all of our campuses: Brookfield Campus, Appleton Campus, Milwaukee Campus, Germantown Campus, online. Could you join me to welcome all of our campuses? Wherever you're joining us from today, we're delighted that you're with us, and we're in this series on uh, red flags, and so I'm so glad that you're here today. Just want to take a couple of minutes, just real quick. Uh, one is every time we do a weekend service. Uh, in an adult weekend service, it's kind of PG-13, so that's kind of the understood um, <laughs> line. Today, I just want to reiterate, this will be that, so if you have kids that you don't want to explain things to, that at that level, you feel free to, in the next couple minutes, I'll make a few comments before we get into my talk on sex, and so that's kind of where we're going today, God's Word, God came up with the idea, it's not mine, don't blame me, email God at God at Hotmail.com, right, amen? <laughs> But I just want to let moms and dads know just in case maybe you're a guest today, you're at a campus, you're a guest, and you're like, okay, what's, I'm not thinking anything's going to be inappropriate, but if you haven't had the talk, you may want to. Because you're going to have the talk, and so that's part of what I'm saying. So anyhow, I also want to say, just in light of the mission trips, uh, a special deal that we're doing. We have been planning this for some time, but it has been uh, COVID kind of uh, put it back and this and that, and we wanted to wait till all the restrictions were lifted so we would be able to go and not have any problems. But we are doing this fall uh, it's a trip I'm going to be leading uh, to Israel. And so we leave on November the 2nd. We come back on the 12th. Uh, so it's one week, kind of two weekends, but um, if you've not had a chance to do that, I would encourage you. There's limited sl- spots that are available, and, uh, but if you want to go with me, Tammy, we're going. Uh, we'll stay really well. We'll eat really well. Uh, if you have to have a bacon double cheeseburger in Jerusalem, I know the place to go. Trust me, I have found it, and I'll be happy to take you. Uh, it's 35 bucks, but hey, it will be the best $35 bucks you have ever spent in your life after eating all the hummus that you're going to have. My dad's going to go. And so my dad's going to be going on the trip. And my, my biggest concern about my dad going is my dad has bacon and eggs every day. And I have said to him, Dad, you do realize, like, you won't have bacon for two weeks. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. We'll, three days in, he'll be asking me for bacon, I promise. Like, what? You didn't tell me this. There's no, what? There's no pork. There's no, Dad, you know, this is, like, right, we don't, they don't do that here. Uh. So anyhow, he kinda, his body kind of runs on meat grease, and so that's kind of one of those deals. So anyhow, welcome to the South. But uh, we have some spots open if you want to come. We'd love to have you as a couple, as a single. It doesn't matter. It's going to be a great trip. And it's one of those things where, honestly, you just get to walk through, see the Bible for what it is an amazing way. So, again, you can check out the link that Dylan talked about just a minute ago and do that. But we'd love to have you November 2nd through 12th. Okay, well, in the words of the great theologian Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. We're going to get right into this message today. This was you like that? No, uh, I'm telling you, folks, uh, this is one of those subject matters that we need to discuss. At 51, I'm kind of like when uh, the way we do our message planning is we plan these things and we lay these things out in advance and we walk through them and all of that. um, But with with schedules and with everything that's happening, uh, Ryan is kind of the mastermind. So if there's ever a problem with the subject matter I have to preach, I blame it on Ryan. (laughs) Because we've prayed about it, processed it and all that, but Ryan's the one that puts the schedule together. So how did I get the sex talk? That's what I wanted to know. Because as a youth pastor, man, if I would do this talk, man, the room would be packed. We'd have hundreds of students. That's the one I wanted. At 51, I just, like, can we just get in, like, just let me just preach on the book of Romans or the gospel of John. Or let's just, let me get my preach on. It's hard to get my preach on with this. But uh, I'm going to try it anyhow, nonetheless. Uh, But uh, the idea, when you're dealing with a a series and a subject on relationships, You cannot omit the subject of sexuality, especially in our world, and especially in today's culture. And so there's more to sex than the physical, sensual side of it that we see portrayed and we see um, basically kind of marketed in the world in which we live in. Uh, Sex is God's idea, and, and it's important that we understand that. And he gives a very clear plan on what this is and how this should be implemented and how we should use it and address it in our life. So... I just want to talk today about kind of what's right, what's wrong. What does the Bible have to say about sex? And so I'm going to give you a couple of statements. Statement number one is that God created sex, and therefore sex is good. God created sex. If you're taking notes, that's a great time to take notes. And sex is good. The very first commandment God gives in the Bible, the very first command God gives in in the Bible to mankind is on the subject matter of sex. Genesis 128. This is going to be a topical message, so we'll have these verses on the screen. You can write them down. Genesis 128, and God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. The sexual relationship resulting in procreation. It's one of the very first commands God gives in Scripture. Amen. If I was 15 and I was in church, I'd be saying amen to that. Amen. Because, right, (laughs) You guys have been to church way too long. And when you talk about the subject matter of sex, there's basically three positions, three ideas, three, three, three concepts that come up. One is it's gross. So this is a horrible, terrible su- subject. Don't talk about it. Stay away from it. It's dangerous. Just save it to marriage. It's something that you've got to endure. It's something just to get through. And, and again, that's a very puritanical type of a mindset behind that. But there is that. Probably uh, probably will get an email this week about, I can't believe you're talking about that. You were very too loose about that, blah, 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 blah. Again, I didn't write the book. I don't get editorial privilege. Can somebody say amen? Oh, wow, y'all are into this. <laughs> Maybe we need to do this more often. All right. Second is gratification. Gratification. This is our culture. Just indulge in it. Have sex, hook up, have fun, think about sex all the time, uh, be addicted to porn, do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, with whoever you want to do it, there are no rules, don't put your rules on me, anything and everything goes. Again, I'm going to show you today, that's not God's idea and God's plan. But it is It is interesting that that is human will and human emotion, when not restrained by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we as a creation just have we don't live our lives under the rules and the laws of God that actually help, help us bless us, that's where we go. Third common idea or thought on sex is it's a gift. It's a gift. So enjoy it. It's for procreation and recreation to be celebrated. It's created by God for a man and a woman in the safety and the protection of marriage to enjoy. That's the healthy biblical view. We are sexual beings. God created us with the ability to have sex and to enjoy sex and to give and to receive and to, be, and to, and to procreate. This is all part of what, what God's plan is. And between a man and a woman, husband and wife, in the context of marriage, the book of Hebrews says there is no, it, it's undefiled, the, the marriage bed is undefiled, which means between a man and a woman and holy matrimony in the covenant of marriage, have fun. Do the two of you, you have fun. Just go. You, this, is, this is your business. This is something that God has given as a gift to, between a married couple and a husband and a wife. The Bible addresses sex and sexuality near, nearly 100 times in Scripture. There's an entire book on premarital sex called The Song of Solomon and, uh, and the beauty of it. So why is sex such a big idea in the Bible? Second statement. Sex involves your soul. Sex, if you're taking notes, write that down. Sex involves your soul. This is why it's so important. This is what the world doesn't teach. This is the dirty little secret about sex that Satan doesn't want you to know. It's not so dirty, but it is a secret. Mark chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That word join in the original Greek means to cleave to, to stick to, and separably glue to. There is a connectivity. This is how God designed it to be. That when you would get married, the two of you would become one, inseparable. And there are three levels, basically, when you're dealing with sexuality and this joining together that Jesus will talk about here. And then it's also in the book of Genesis, this two becoming one. There's a physical level through sex, which I think we all get, and if you don't, Just Google that, not now, but later. There's an emotional intimacy that happens. And we understand that even if we're not a Christ follower, that there is this emotional level of intimacy that that happens. Although we in our world, and when I say we, I'm just talking kind of time with the world in general, push through that and just go, it's no big deal. But it is a big deal. It's it's like taking a post-it note. The first time you adhere it, it has great adherence. The second time, a little less. The third time, a little less. By six or seven, ten times, it's lost its ability to stick, and eventually, it can't stick to anything. So is it true of the emotional connection with sexuality? This is why porn is so destructive. Because what happens is it objectifies and it, it, it basically pulls it to a point to I no longer have an ability to emotionally connect. Because that's one of the reasons why God gave us sex. Is that if a man and a woman and a husband and wife and holy matrimony come together, there is a connectivity there. That if that activity does not happen outside of that relationship, they are joined. They are connected physically and emotionally and the third level is spiritually you are spiritually joined together the bible talks about this and again this is the thing that no one wants to talk about even in the book of of proverbs or psalms i can't remember right off the top but it talks about even if a man has sex with a prostitute that their souls are joined this is powerful Again, I didn't write this. I didn't come up with this. But this is why sexual activity can be so destructive if it's outside of the covenant, of the marriage covenant, between a husband and a wife. This is why it's also one of those things that we need to talk about. Because, because even when you go, well, they're just kids and they're just having fun and it just it sounds like some love song. No, 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 no. This can be incredibly powerful and destructive if we're not careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's just Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth was a very emotional church. They were a super spiritual church. But they were also a highly sexed society. And they dealt with a lot of sexual immorality inside the church. And Paul deals with this. I'm going to read this from the Message Transliteration. So if you've got the Message version of the Bible, it's just a transliteration by Eugene Peterson. Here's what it says. It says, Verse 6 through 16 and 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As it's written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, with God, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Speaking of marital sex. Leaving us more lonely than ever, that kind of sex is can never become one. Ephesians chapter 5, the church in Ephesus, Paul will write in verse 31 and 32, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Sex is a spiritual act that when celebrated in the safety and in the context and the sanctity of Christian marriage between a man and a woman, it is a reflection of God's love for you. That's what makes it so powerful. This is the reason why the enemy of your soul and my soul wants to pervert it. Wants to destroy it. Through either through either making it something that it's just a and I'm going to be very careful with this, but please follow where I'm saying, makes it a solo encounter and takes it away from the marriage bed so that you it's all about your pleasure and your self-gratification. Or makes it to where the marriage bed is no longer pure and holy. And therefore there are multiple partners and multiple people and multiple things and anything can happen. It destroys what God has used to connect not just physically, not just joined together emotionally, but the spiritually of two becoming one. That's why the enemy of your soul and my soul wants to go, it's no big deal, everybody does it, don't be so puritanical, don't be so whatever, I can't believe. This is one, of, and, and even throws a shame on it to the point that we don't talk about it in church. Although the Bible is very clear on this subject. So if sex is so spiritual, why does the world and the devil tempt us with it? Because of its physical, emotional, and spiritual connectivity, sexual sin can be the most destructive sin that we deal with. We said that again. Because of its physical, emotional, and spiritual connectivity, sexual sin can be the most destructive sin that we deal with. That leads me to statement number three. Outside of marriage, sex is destructive. If you're taking notes, write that down. Outside of marriage, man and a woman, husband and wife, outside of the context of marriage, sex is destructive, period. The National Center for Marriage and Family Research has shown us that 80% of teenagers and young adults today expect to cohabitate, live together, shack up, whatever you want to call that, plain house, before they get married. And the idea is, is that, hey man, we can split the bills, we can share a Netflix account, we can divide chores, we can share a bed, and if sex was just physical, okay. I mean, if you take the emotional connectivity out of it, you take the spiritual activity out of it, you take the sin part of it out of it, if it's just a physical act, then okay. But it's not. And this is what becomes so destructive. Because in, in that ideology, there are people, and you may be here today, and you may be watching online, or you may be at a campus and go, well, you're living with someone, and you're sitting in the room with them. And... I didn't write this, but it's very clear. The Bible calls that sin. And it's because God made a way, because because this power of emotional and spiritual connectivity, you're violating the very laws of God and how he created you and I as a creation to live. So what do you do if you do that? Well, first of all, this is my great counseling technique. Stop it. That's why everybody comes to me for counseling. I can save you a lot of money, a lot of time. Just tell me what it is. Stop it. Let's pray. Amen. That's it. Don't you wish it was that easy? But the truth of the matter is, you've got to address that as sin, as with any other sin. And then you've got to make arrangements. Either you need to go get married today, which I think it takes you seven years. It's not seven years. Seven days to get a marriage license. Get married today and... And if you're not ready to do that, then you need to separate. That means you need to find your own other house or a friend's couch or somewhere. Why? Because why live in sin? I'm going to talk a little bit about that in just a minute. If you know and you continue to do, is that okay? We'll get that in a minute. The reality is, is that the idea behind this cohabitation, the, the idea behind this shacking up, I, the idea behind this, I, I was overhearing somebody the other day, and we Tammy and I were somewhere, and, and there's a couple, they were talking, and these, these, these ladies, they were talking, and their kids were living, they were, married, they, they were living together, son and daughter, were, uh, a, a, a daughter had, was, was with their boyfriend, they were living together, and this other girl said, my, my kids did the same thing, well, my kids did the same thing, it worked out great, this is great. And I'm talking people my age, in their 50s, talking about their adult kids and they're completely fine with it because on the surface, it sounds like, well, that just makes sense. You find if you're compatible, you, you kind of do this And, and, and here's what you always hear. Well, the divorce rate is lower, but the truth is the statistics show they're not. The divorce rate is not any better than it is if you choose to not cohabitate prior to a marriage and in many studies it's higher. And I didn't go to Christian, you go, well, yeah, you probably went to some Christian conservative think tank group out of D.C. No, 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 this is, I, I subscribe to certain secular journals, and I don't want to, if you, yeah, I, I'm happy but, to share that with you, but, and so, because I was like, what, what does the world say? What, what, what would be considered a very secular, very liberal, periodical journal? They're showing that data. So the idea doesn't even hold water. But why do we do this? And why is it so destructive, sex outside of marriage? Because when we, the creation, think that we're smarter than the creator, God, we get into trouble. This is what's happening. This is where we want to take a a pair of scissors to the Bible and just cut certain things out. Because we, well, let's just don't talk about that. Or that just doesn't apply to me. And I've never understood how people can go to church. I'm not talking about people that aren't saved. If you're not saved today and you're shacking up and living with someone and you're not a Christ follower, quite frankly, you're figuring this thing out. There is grace. You're welcome to be here. There is no one that's going to ask you your business on this. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're professing a relationship with Jesus Christ, and sexual activity outside of the marriage bed is sin, however you put it, and again, I'm not beating up on you. I'm not trying to... I mean, this is not a bully pulpit. There, there's grace, there's forgiveness, just like anything else. And, but, but, this is, but I'm saying this to you because this doesn't just mess with you physically. This isn't an STD talk. This isn't just kneeling with you emotionally. Although that happens over the, over the course of time. And many times... It affects guys differently than girls because girls are way more emotional. Women are way more emotional beings. And so that connectivity piece is a lot bigger than what they want to act like. But guys, that affects us as well because we already have a hard time with intimacy to begin with, much less you begin to do these levels of separation. We objectify women at such a rate that it's just, it's just another encounter to please you. Not pleasing the person. It's about you. And that's not how God created it. God created it to be something that we please each other in holy matrimony. And it brings that connectivity. But there's a spiritual destruction that erodes away at your very soul. And it's why people can go to church and hear a message on this and be quote-unquote professing Christ followers and walk out the doors of the church and live the same way because your heart has become callous to this because you think you're smarter than the Creator you think you as a creation are smarter than God who created you? It's really clear in Scripture. So question. Well, maybe God didn't think about the 21st century. (laughs) Really? Maybe God didn't really realize that Internet and pornography would really be here. Jesus didn't have that, so he didn't talk about it. Really? (laughs) Let me sit down and just think about that and laugh for a minute. But we do this stuff. The Bible on sex outside of marriage, Paul, I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, 19, and 20. It says this. Sex, it's talking about sexual immorality is sexual relationships outside the covenant between a man and a woman and holy matrimony in marriage. It says flee, run, right? Run, us, run. Flee from sexual immorality, period. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against their own body. They don't put that on a commercial, do they? Verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. Isn't that right? When you gave your life to Christ, you said, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Verse 20, for you were bought with a price. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross for you and for me. So glorify God where? In your worship? No. In your Bible reading? No. In your church attendance? No. In your money? Don't you wish you were taking an offering right now? No. In your body. Most sins in the Bible, we're told to fight. We're told to resist the sin or to resist the temptation. Only in sexual sin are you and I told to run, to flee. Why? Because you and I are not strong enough To deal with it. You and I are not strong enough to resist it because it's a natural, (laughs) it's how God hardwired you. And the enemy knows he's going to play on your natural hardwiring to kind of rationalize your behavior based upon the context and the world in which you live in, in order to get you to do what he wants you to do. So whenever there's sexual temptation, should you resist it? No. Should you just say no to it? No, you should run, 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 run as fast as you can, as hard as you can. Get away from it. Do whatever you have to do to resist that type of temptation because you and I are not strong enough. We're not good enough. And you go, well, pastor, you probably have it together. I'm not good enough and strong enough. Oh, dear God. I wish I were, I wish, you know, I heard John Ortberg say one time, I, I, heaven will be when, when, as a man, I can look at every woman as I do my daughters or my sister or my mother. I wish, I wish that when you gave your life to Christ, I wish when you said, I do, that your eyes completely turned away from any, any other person. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have an enemy who is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when that temptation of lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, sexual temptation comes and appeals to you, it will have an, an appealing to you because it's, it's, it's based upon the hardwiring of your system. He's perverting. That's where the word comes from. There's truth. God created sex and sex is good inside the confines of marriage, but the enemy of your soul perverts it and he tempts you with it. And you get, if you're not careful, it's little thing after little thing. It's a little foxy that spoil the vine and one thing after another and another thing after another. And all of a sudden you're in the trap. For most sins in the Bible, we're told to fight, resist, but for sexual sin, we're told to run. Paul will write to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5.3 and he says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Sexual morality is sex outside the context of marriage of a husband and a wife, man and a woman. What's more than a hint? It's a great question. Adultery. So you're in a marriage relationship, you're married, husband and wife, which is the Bible defines it, and you're having sexual relationships with a third party. Whether the spouse is okay with it or not, swingers, open marriages, open relationships, premarital sex. Sin. Sex before marriage. Sin. Hooking up while you're dating. I'm just trying to hit it all right here with everybody. Covering everybody. Make sure I don't miss anybody. Going out clubbing on Friday night, Saturday night. Right? Doing whatever you're doing. And all of a sudden you wake up in the bed with somebody you didn't. And, and here's the deal. is The world, they just show this. Like everybody does this. And they make fun of virginity. As being some, you're some square, you're some, uh, you're some nerd, you're some, you're a person from a different planet. Who are you? Porn. Viewing. Sexual activity. Sexual actions. Uh, uh, people. Naked, unclothed, involved. Because it, it, again, there is such research that shows that, that porn addictions are like addictions to heroin or cocaine or anything else. It changes the firing in your, it, it, the dopamine drop, and, and the firing in your brain and how everything works, it's highly addictive, usually, over time, resulting in sexual problems later on in life, impotency and other things. Crude sexual language would be a hint. You like to be the guy or the gal that always tells a sexual joke? That's what you find funny? Dressing immodestly. This is not talked about today at all. Because if a man says that a woman should dress modestly, that guy should be able to hold his stuff together. That's his problem. Not according to Scripture. Man, it's quiet in here. Some of you guys are going, I'm, I know why you didn't want to preach this message. Oh, yeah, this should have been a message Pastor Ryan preached. Amen. <laughs> but dressing them modestly. And not just gals, it's guys. And so I'm just saying, like, we have a responsibility because sexual temptation is a real deal. So why do I have a responsibility to the opposite sex? Because the Bible says, Paul says, as Christ followers. Again, if you're, if you're not a Christ follower, man, <laughs> you can do whatever you want to do. Now, the consequences are the same. But when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you basically, you know, Jesus is the Word and the Word is Jesus, your body, you, you come to acknowledgement that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so all of a sudden, you, you now submit yourself under, under the expectations, under God's Word. So dressing him modestly, Paul says that we shouldn't do anything to help, to hurt, or to, or to uh, for our brother to stumble. So there are things in my life as a pastor that I do and don't do, not because I think they're right or wrong, but because I don't, want to stum- I don't want anybody to stumble. There are things in your life as a Christ follower that you say and don't say and do and don't do because you don't want to, to give because you're dealing with people. There's people in your world that are immature, that they don't have the ability to be able to, to, to ascertain, to, to, to process that information, to go, oh, this is why this is why this is okay. So Paul says, I don't do anything to make my brother stumble. Yeah, it's his fault. I get it. It's his sin. It's her sin. It's her fault. She should have her stuff together and not be so sexually perverted in her mind. And he should be. But they're humans. So no hint of immorality in my life. So how I dress, how I talk, what I do. There's an incredibly high standard here. I get that. And it reveals your need and my need. Desperate need for God's grace. Oh, he's finally going to talk about grace. So because of grace, we can kind of do what we want to do. Jesus, we're all right. We got our fire insurance. We go. But, you know, because of grace, pastor, aren't we okay? Like nod, nod, wink, wink. To do what we want to do sexually, you know, it's okay. It's kind of, no. Again, not my words, God's words. Romans chapter six, verse one. Paul says to the church in Rome, what shall we say then? That's what you're asking right now. Shall we continue in sin that grace can abound? Paul says, certainly not, explanation point. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Why would you want to go back to the sin that you walked away from? Why would you want to walk back into the sin that Jesus saved you from? Why would you want to wallow in the pig pen in the muck and in the mire that he cleaned you up from? God's standards are high, but His Word says that His blessings are worth it. Because in the context of marriage, when two become one, what you realize is is that the older that you get and the longer that you've been married, that if you keep in that context, that the that the sexual fulfillment is higher. Because you don't just have a physical connection, because the physical changes. The physical wanes. It's deeper than that. You don't just have an emotional connection because you've had this journey together for all of these years. And you've got children that are a product of your love for one another. It's deeper than that. There's a spiritual connection where the two become one. And why is that so important? This is the reason why God instituted the family before he ever instituted the church. The family, before sin ever entered into the world. It's that the two becoming one, it's our reflection of the triune Godhead, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit on this planet. Could you ever imagine Jesus saying to God, I don't want to be a part of the Trinity? Or the Holy Spirit to say, peace out, girl scout, I'm out. Not that he would talk like that, but you know what I'm saying. No. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune Godhead. And so you and I are limited in our own humanity. We're limited. We're not deity. Therefore, we cannot ascend to the heights of the divinity of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, but in our own humanity, because you are the only thing that's made with the image and likeness of God. The entire earth and all there is, is the handiwork of God, but you bear the image of God. Why? Because imago Day, God says you bear the very image of God. And so in bearing my image, I want you to reflect me. And so when two become one, it's the covenant that God has for us on this planet, marriage, to reflect the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the reason why marriage is between a man and a woman, and they come together. That's why it can't be any other way. Because again, it's a perversion. Why do you think there's an agenda in our world about sexuality? Because the enemy wants to destroy everything he can about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he destroys marriage and a marriage covenant that we've viewed for all of these centuries, all of these many years. Oh, don't be naive. There is Ephesians 6 says, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness. There is a war going on. That's why we talk about this. That's why we talk about healthy marriages. Because, because again, I'm not trying to beat up if you've gone through a divorce. I'm not trying to. If you're divorcing right now, I'm not. I'm just simply saying that that's the reason why God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. It's because the two become one. So today, sex is God's idea. Sex is more than physical. It's emotional and it's spiritual. It's designed by God to occur between one man and one woman in a committed marital relationship. So what I wanna do right now as we end this service is I just am gonna pray for you. We're gonna sing a song and then the campus pastor is gonna come and dismiss you. But I want you to reflect, is there any hint of immorality of sexual immorality in your life? There's probably more of us in this room that would say yes to that than what we'd like to admit. Is is there just open sexual sin in your life that you need to deal with? The good news is that God gives grace freely. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All you've got to do is ask. First John says, if you confess, if you ask, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I want you to take time just to reflect. Examine your own heart. And if you need to repent right where you are, just repent. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a priest. He's your high priest, Hebrews says. And just say, Jesus, I confess this sin. Forgive me of this sin and help me. And I would say as Jesus said to the woman at the well who had been married multiple times and the guy she was with, she was living together, living with, cohabitating, shacking up. Go and sin no more. There's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom from sin. There's redemption. There's salvation. Even if you're a Christ follower, he understands But we have to do it his way. Why? Because as a father is to a child, so the Lord is to us. He knows what is best. Father, I just thank you today. Thank you for your word that's so clear. And I thank you, Lord, that even in our culture, this speaks loud and true. And so I pray today. God, let us examine our hearts right now. Let us examine ourselves. And Lord, if there's any sin in us, God, we repent and let us call that sin between you and I for what it is. Let us confess our sins unto you. And Lord, I just pray you would perform your word. You'd be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, help us to leave this place and go and sin no more. In Jesus' name, amen.